to get to be here with you guys this morning. I love since all this COVID stuff started that um, I think it's, it's impressive to me how many ministries are now online. I think that's really cool. Uh, you can listen to stuff anytime you want now. There's somebody doing something, either a noon devotion or evening deal or whatever. So in the process, God gives me things, and, and I, I love to share them in, in unique ways sometimes. Um, and, and I feel like this one is, is really um kind of a powerful message that, that he gave me a few weeks ago that I really had to work on. I really had to, to study. I'm, I'm not a great studier. <laughs> I don't have a, my attention span is a little short sometimes. And, and, I, and I've had to really, really work on this, really chew on this to make sure that I get it where I want it, to, to feel like that God's bringing this in a certain way. But the title of today's sermon is Dreamers and Visionaries. Are you a dreamer or are you a visionary? I had a call from a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, Kevin. Uh, Kevin called me the other morning, and he was really shook up, I guess would be a great word. He was uh, very challenged. He was he travels a lot for what he does with his work, and he was staying in the hotel room. Um, and he had encountered something overnight that had messed with him. He had a dream. And in his dream, he literally woke from this dream in his hotel room, choking, for lack of a better way to describe it, a demon. He was in a fight. He was in a fight with evil. He said the room was like refrigerator cold. You know, I mean, obviously it's sometime air conditioners on, but he said it was just, there was a chill in his room, in the darkness. He began praying in the spirit, and, and he just did what the only thing he knew to do is he went digging through drawers in the hotel room looking for the sword. Sure enough, he finds a Gideon Bible. He opens this Bible just in the darkness. He opens this Bible and finds the light. It's the light turned on and it's open to Psalms 31, 1 through 5. This is what this says. Oh Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me. Let me do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemy set for me. For I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are faithful. You are a faithful God. He laid that sword down on the bed, open to that passage of scripture. And he slept peacefully the rest of the night. Didn't have any other issues. <laughs> She's not just late to church. She got to watch one of her grandsons get baptized this morning. So. He then tells me how the kind of the rest of the story of this hotel stay. He tells me how they had messed up his room to begin with. When he arrived, they put him in the wrong room. Before he even got settled, they rearranged and realized what they'd done. They, they come got him and moved him to this room that he stayed in and had this gym. He's telling me all this because he, you know, he's like, you know, trying to sort it out. What, what is it? You know, what was this? What, why did something like this happen? Was it a personal attack? Did he fight on someone else's behalf? Did, did God place him there to defeat 
this darkness before the next person entered that room? I can't answer those questions, but they're all valid questions. You know, when, when, we, when, we, when we walk in the Spirit of God, we're warriors on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're called to battle. I mean, that's, that's exactly what we, we do battle every day, whether we know we do or not. But we're called to battle. And, and you know, it, it, it really got me thinking when he said these things. Maybe he was there fighting someone else's battle that wouldn't be able to handle that. Maybe he was there to, to defeat this darkness in that room before the next person arrived. Yeah. I mean, I, I might go all kinds of places with these things because it's, to me it's very real. It's, 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 under, it's an understanding of this light and dark and, and where we are in this world today. I do know that we're living in the, in, in the last days as described in the Word. The evil that is so blatantly prevalent now is very hard to swallow. Our enemy used to, to be in secret. Our enemy used to walk in the shadows and hidden from us has become very bold and revealed more than ever before. We see the evil around us in such a blatant way today that we've not seen in, in my lifetime anyway. It's changing. Things are changing around us all the time. It's becoming acceptable. This, this darkness, this evil, what they used to have to work in secret is now just right here in our public spaces. Could be right here in Perkins. It's in Stillwater. I've seen it. <laughs> drive down the roads today. There's evil all around you. Morons don't have to drive. Touch them, Lord, before I do. <laughs> How often do we not realize or recognize the battles that are being fought all around us every day and night? You know, I. And I know there's a lot of things. You know, people people talk about how they were delayed going to work. And I've heard all kinds of stories where, you know, uh, for whatever reason, the car didn't start or something didn't happen, and, and and then they find out later that there had been a big wreck where they would normally be at that time of day. I mean, you know, here are all these stories. It's most of us are these stories. But how pertinent is that to spiritual warfare? I mean, when you think about it, God has a hold of us. You know, if we walk in Him, if we walk in His presence, if we walk in His Spirit, we're His. That doesn't mean that something foul may not happen to us. We got a phone call last night that one of the guys we work with very, very closely in, in ministry, um, <laughs> he, he is going through some challenges and battles that most of us, I don't know that I could handle. Very well. I don't know how well I would survive what he's walking through. He just got back from a, a rehab because he was trying to find his health in a bottle. He, he's a conservation agent. He's a, he's a law, carrying lawman for the state of Missouri conservation agency. It was a game for him. But he found himself in a battle and he knew he had to find help. So he just, he just got home from a treatment. He, he tell, I, I talked to him just earlier in the week. I was in Missouri working. And I got to talk to him and he's like, man, he said, I'm, I'm in my word every morning. I'm listening to sermons. I've got devotions going every morning. Track, things are doing good. He made a comment that he's five weeks without a drink. He said, I didn't think I'd ever be a guy to say that. But, it, you know, he was struggling. He had a challenge. I got a phone call last night. He, he got hit on his motorcycle last night. He's in ICU, Dr. Missouri this morning. I haven't heard any details. Checking my phone. They're telling me they think he'll be all right, but you know the battles are real, and we're not. It's not that because we walk in His Spirit, we're not immune from these struggles. We're not immune from these challenges. 
mean, we're, we got to fight. These battles, they, they range around us so much. And so much. Take this story out. This is Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verses 2 through 14. This is Daniel's vision of a messenger. When vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three day, three whole weeks. All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine across my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. That boy was probably a little strong. I don't know if that actually says it in this version or not. Some reason I have April 23rd, I don't know why. <laughs> on April 23rd. But anyway, it says, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen, linen clothing, with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed with lightning, and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Oh, Daniel, oh, I, Daniel, only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, and they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay up there on my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and, and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are the very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. I love this part. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Yes. From the very first moment that you began to speak, God heard you. Yes. Yeah, that was three weeks ago. This battle is persistent. For three weeks, I, I, I've done everything I know to do. God, I, I, I fasted. I, prayed. I've, I've suffered on your behalf. I haven't seen an answer. I don't know about you, but three weeks is a long time. Three weeks is a long time. I, I actually went through something in my own life, personal life, um, a few years ago that I determined and I felt like God told me to do this. I fasted until I saw my answer. I lost 70 pounds. There were many weeks went through but I was determined to see God move. I had a passion to see God change the, the, the environment, the, the problem, the struggle, the issue. And I was persistent. Did, did I ever, I didn't waver. You know, I, I don't guess I, I didn't even think of this. You know, here's Daniel, this man of God. You know, he's got his own story in the Bible. I don't have that. And he has three weeks. He's crying out to God for answers. Three long weeks. Some of you have been battling things a lot longer than that. Some of you have given up your struggle. I want to challenge you to pick it back up. Because God's not through there. If there's a challenge in your life and request that you've made, continue to petition heaven for it. Yes. Don't give up. Yes. There, there's reasons beyond our understanding why these things are going on. It says here, I've come to answer with an answer to your prayer, but for 21 days, the Spirit Prince of the Kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Huh. Evil was blocking the way of his answer. 
And there was a fight going on above him that he was unaware of. He goes on to say that Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with this spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. The battle was still going on. But God provided for the answer to come. The battle continues. It's still happening all around us. But oftentimes God will give us what we're looking for. Help us to understand something a little bit better. I share a story with you. This um, was a missionary team. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly where they were, but they were in Africa or in, in regions of that nature. And they've been traveling from village to village to village, ministering to the, to the locals, the local villages. And they've been warned about a particular area. This area was um, controlled, I guess is the best word, controlled by a, a tribe that were cannibalistic. And they were basically told, you know, you shouldn't even go past there, but because your travel is going to take you across their ground, do not stop. Don't be there in the dark. <laughs> You know, get your business done and get back across that region before it gets dark. So knowing that God had called them to do these things, they went. They crossed this region and they trouble. They got to where they were, they ministered to the tribe, the villages where they were at, and they were coming back. And as it was growing dark, their vehicle broke down right in the middle of this region they were told not to stop in. I would imagine there was probably some anxiety, probably a little fear. You're in Africa. You've been told these people are cannibalistic. They can eat on me for days. <laughs> and, I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, they like to call AAA. You know, there ain't no tow truck coming. You're stuck until you can figure out how to get that vehicle going. Now, they sidetrack from there to the Deacons on the West Coast. Middle of the night, this deacon's awake, and he just has this urgency inside of him. He calls that a deacon. Y'all meet me at the church. He must have had some clout because they all did. These six guys meet at the church. They find a room upstairs in the classrooms. And then he tells them, I don't know what we're praying for, we just gotta pray. Well, how long? Oh, well, no. We're just going to pray until God tells us to quit. So these guys went to war. And they began to pray. They prayed till daylight, wherever they were at. When daylight came, the deacon who had been oppressed with this, this need stood up and he said, I think we're done. They all went on about your business. No idea what they had just accomplished. Months or time frame down the road, missionary came to their church to speak. And he begins telling the story of how they were in this region in Africa, wherever they were at. Now their car broke down in a place they really shouldn't have been. There was a cannibalistic tribe and there was some fear. They said, You know, we spent the night in there. Nothing happened. Nobody came to us. Nobody started moving Near any other place, nothing happened. He 
said, we left that region the next day. We were able to, another vehicle came, we were able to go in, and we left that region. Only to be shot down by a runner who said, the region in which you were just in, the, the king or whoever, the tribe, the, the chief wants to see you. So this mission team goes back in the daylight to this region. And they meet with this, this tribal chief. And they said, I want to know your God. What? He said, I want to know your God. He said, I want to know the, the God that can provide what he provided for you. And they were kind of confused and they're like, uh, don't really know what it's mean. He said, we came for you. But there were six giant warring angels standing guard around your vehicle and we could not get close. That's a good story. That's a good story. That deacon realized, as this man is telling this, this story, that that deacon team were those six warriors that night. What if he had just come over Six, I woke up and thought, man, I gotta go to work. Somehow I gotta figure out how to get through this day to work. I kicked my feet down on that chair. I got up. I went and took a shower. I went to work. In, in the process of me sitting in that chair, I said, man, you gotta fix this. I said, I, you know, I, I ain't so much concerned about this, this hip issue. I, you just gotta fix my back. I can't deal with this. I later was talking to. She said, what, what time was that? I told her, she said, well, God woke me up at 3.30 to pray for you. And my pastor at the time, he said, well, God woke me up at 3 o'clock that morning. I don't know who I was praying for. He just told me to pray. I talked to another lady. He said, yeah, God woke me up and went on my heart and I began to pray for you around 3 or 3.30. God does things like that. The only thing I did wrong was I wasn't specific. I still have this issue with my head going on. Things to go to sleep, you know? You gotta be specific when you ask about things. When I was in New Mexico, as a youth pastor, I had a group of young men come to the Lord that were um, just out of high school, a little bit older. These guys were BMX bikers and you know, they did all the trick stuff, the pegs, and then, you know, they jumped around, did all these crazy things. Had a skateboard with them, and we had actually built a skate park in the parking lot there, and uh, had a 
crazy things we're doing. These guys began giving out this award, and some of them had some foundation, some did not. And uh, one night they, they had elected to do their own Bible study. I told them, all right, you want to do a Bible study? Do it. I'll come over to the building, I'll sit in my office, and you handle this. I'm not doing it. So they did. And you know, young men, being young men, we had a pool table, and that was if you needed prayer, you went on the pool table, and they'd gather around prayer. So they're doing the Bible study. One night, two of these young men come to my office. One is shaking like a leaf. I mean, physically shaking like a leaf. And he's been with us for a little while. The other one comes in, and he doesn't know what to do with this guy because he's shaking like a leaf. And, you know, and they sit down, and this young man's name was Mike. He says, uh, he saw him wrong. He saw him afraid. I'm scared to death. And he, he literally was just, I mean, there was a physical shaking going on in his body. I said, Mike, why are you afraid? What are you afraid of? I said, Mike, when you gave your life to the Lord, the Spirit of God took over whatever was in you. It has no power over you anymore. I said, when, when you give your life to Christ, you cast that away from you. Well, when I did that, he quit shaking. I didn't catch it. The other guy, his eyes get about this big around, and he tells me, Mike, he just quit shaking. And he's like, I get it. And he comes up and leaves. Like, everything's good. The other guy's going, whoa. <laughs> did you see that? I said, see what? He said, whatever had a hold of him, you took a hold of it. And when you cast it away, it was gone. God provides and it's warfare. Sometimes we don't even realize what it is going around us, but it's warfare. In Acts chapter 2, we find the disciples are gathered in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit's come and sat upon each one of them as tongues of fire, and they began speaking in this heavenly language. This crowd outside hears them, and some foreigners actually hearing them in their own native language. That's cool. Yes. Rhonda, I think, actually told me a story of uh, the story of a lady in church um, who was a foreigner. And then the, the service got real powerful, and she's sitting over here. And, and a message came in tongues. And this woman jumps up and runs to the altar. Because the message in tongues was in her native language, saying, This is your time. Come. Come. How cool is that? God does some of the most unique things. After being accused of being drunk, Peter addresses the crowd and he refers back to what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. Uh, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, 32, through 32. Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Yes. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. I may be having visions instead of dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, yes. men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood, blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arise. Verse 32 says, But for everyone who calls on the name yes, of the Lord amen. will be saved. Yes. Yeah. Amen. I'll say this, as I said to my friend Kevin. The veil between the light and dark is thinner than it's ever been before. Yes. It's thinner than it's ever been. 
More and more people are having very real dreams and visions. God's presence is strong, but we're surrounded by evil and darkness. Look at what's going on in our society today. There's such a blatant presence of evil. Or stupidity, whichever one you want to call it. It's a mix. I've spoken of a message delivered by Pastor Danny Coverstone, a little AG pastor in Kentucky, concerning a series of dreams God had given him. That this guy, he's so humble and honestly moved by what God is pouring through him. He's had his life threatened for speaking these things. He's had to, to eliminate um, anyone messaging him or, or accessing him through social media because of these threats. His family's been threatened. All because he's speaking about dreams and visions that God is pouring through him. But they're pretty bold. It's where we should be today. We have got to become more bold in our message. We've got to become more bold in our life. We've got to become more bold in our walk with Christ. There shouldn't be any reason that this little community of Perkins, Oklahoma, is not thoroughly affected by what goes on inside this house. Not only what goes on inside this house, but what out of This has got to become like an artesian well where life bubbles up and it flows out into these streets and begins to affect these people. You know, I... <laughs> Just gonna share this. A long time ago, when we first moved here, I actually applied for pastor of a church in this town. A big struggle, a big challenge. But what God had showed me was what if, what if a ministry became such a dominant force? That when the firehouse needs a piece of equipment, we provided it. That, that when the police department needed a new tasers or maybe pull through the vest, we provided it. Mm-hmm. What, what if it became such a way that the money that came into a ministry wasn't about paying the man standing here, but it was about taking care of the community? Would that be to be in a place where the Spirit of God that flows into a house of God? flows out of it with such power that it changes the lives of everyone who it touches. You know, Paul had such a, such a power in him that his shadow healed people. God, I want that. Yes. I want that so bad. And I'm not willing to sacrifice for it. And I'm willing to give up what it takes to get to that place. I woke a few weeks ago to a very real dream. That was a dream because I was preaching really, really good. <laughs> but I jumped up and I had to write everything down. I mean, I literally bypassed the coffee pot and went straight to the pen. Because what God was pouring in, what I was preaching, was an incredible message. Lots of share, I think most of them. But I had, I had to write it. It came to me. I had other dreams where I didn't get up and be thinking, oh, I'll remember that morning. And then I'm like, what did I think about? You know, I can't remember. Others have shared these very real dreams. I believe it's just as what has been prophesied that God is pouring out His Spirit on the flesh, and the flesh has to respond. Yes. When God pours out His Spirit, it's got to respond. I spent several years in that revival movement that started in Brownsville. Boy, I saw some flaky things. I saw some cool things. I experienced some flaky things. I experienced some really cool things. 
But what I realized then is just exactly what I said. When God's spirit touches human flesh, there will be a response. Yes. There will be a response. And he's doing it now. God's pouring out his spirit. These are the last days. I heard it all my life. I heard it all my life. Could be tomorrow. But that tomorrow is closer today than it's ever been in my life before. We're seeing an unfolding thing. This isn't time for me to be afraid. This is time for me to be excited. When I listened to that day at Cornerstone's message that day, it brought fear. That the first thing raised up is Some of the stuff he was describing, I don't want to walk through. I don't want to see. I don't have nothing to do with it. But then God began to reveal to me, we walk in fear. You have to So that fear became this excitement. We are living in a time that when we're walking with him, holy cow, there is absolutely nothing that we can't accomplish. We have got to become bold. We have got to stand our ground. And I'm not talking about social media fights, although there's a few. But when the truth, when the truth is set forth, the word says the truth will set them free. Yes. You know, I've used this illustration a few times. Over the book I read where was describing this, this battle scene going on. And then the, this little group of people were the, their whole deal is they had to protect one of the last remaining places where the, where the river of life came to the surface. So I envisioned this battle-torn country. It's just this little oasis. And then there, there are just this handful of people that are protected. And he's like, I don't see how they're going to do that. I don't get it. <laughs> this army is surrounding us with the dust cloud that's coming. We can hear them. We can see them. We can't defeat this. There's too many. And they're too strong. They've got weapons we don't have. And, and right as it just looks like it's over, these two old warriors push their way through this little group. They begin to refresh themselves with that river of life. And they turn to that little group and it's like, you guys ready to fight? <laughs> what? I've always envisioned, I just have always envisioned warfare Spiritual or not, a sword slinging, heads flying, you know? I mean, that's just how I've always seen it. And so, if that's the way it's going to go down, then yeah, these guys probably aren't going to handle it. You know, there's too many. But what these two weary warriors did after being refreshed, it says they put down their cup, spill it full of that water from the river of life. He stepped across that little stream and began to hand it to the enemy. Some drank. And those who took a drink of the river of life were instantly transformed into the army of God. Those who wouldn't drink ran away. They ran away. Think about that. You carried the river of life inside of you. The battle rages around us. Sword, we have the truth. The truth is set free. That's what we have to do. We've got to Some flesh is going to crawl. <laughs> Some are going to react to this outpouring like they've had coals of fire dumped on them. We're seeing it. This crazy uprising of evil is, is blatant disrespect of anything moral or godly. 
We must prepare for battle as we're being forced to respond. Yes. Some friends of mine, and I'm closing on this one. Master will come to play a little bit for me. Some friends of mine, uh, a few years ago, uh, had begun building AR rifles, custom AR rifles. Um, unfortunately, they're not still building them. But they actually coined a phrase for the business, for the company that's actually on the rifles. This, this phrase that they were building, or, or putting on their guns, was pray for peace, prepare for battle. What a statement. Pray for peace, but prepare for battle. The battle is going around us. It's getting stronger and stronger every day. I don't know how long he'll keep us here. I don't know how long it's our job to do what he's called us here to do, but he's called every one of us. There's not a person in this room that has had business in this room. You've got, you've got to get involved. You've got to do what he's called you to do. Maybe you don't know what it is. Maybe you don't know where it is, but he's called you to. But I'm telling you, he's called you to fight. He's called you to fight. Whether it's on your knees, to stop those deacons that night, or whether it's right out there on the street, handing somebody some, some living water, some truth. But we're called into this thing. This must become our stance as followers of Christ. It's time to start with the source. We had a message just recently when I was in Tennessee with some wounded warriors on a hunt, and I used an iron sharpening iron. But something that God showed me, I know that message is something I hadn't used before. I keep, I keep my knives very, very sharp. Uh, my boning knives are things we use for deer. And there's something that, that God showed me that happens to a blade when you pull it across a sharpening knife. It removes metal. It cuts things away. <laughs> I don't really thought about that. You know, keep short sharp. That means if there's stuff in my life that's going to be cut away. We're going to get, we're going to be preparing a little bit. We're going to have to have our edge restored because even even if you're using it like it's supposed to be used, I still have to keep sharp with my knives. I still got to keep them just where I need them, or they won't do the job they're meant to do. We're no different. We have got to keep our blades sharp. And the only way to do that is to stay in His Word, to stay according to His Word, and following Him with everything we have in us. If you would this morning, just bow your heads with me. I look across this group and this family. And this is the family. Because this is the, this is the regulars. You know, this is family here today. You might not know every detail about every person in here, but God does. And He knows you. And He's speaking to you right here and right now. It's time. It's time for you to stand. It's time for you to take your place. It's time for you to do what He's called you to do, whether you feel comfortable with it or not. It's time to allow Him to put that whetstone to your steel and to sharpen that blade so that you'll be useful when it's time. God, you know our hearts. You know everyone in this place. God, you've called us by name. Today, God, I ask you to pour out your spirit on us in such a way that it reveals to us the places on our blade that maybe it's got a little nick in it. Maybe it's not as sharp as it should be. And God, you bring us to you, to your whetstone, to be sharpened by you today. Y'all want to close this way?
there's if there's a soul in this room that you're not walking in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I, I don't want to leave that. I want to give you opportunity to come to know Him in a personal way this morning. So if you're here this morning and you and you don't know Him, I, I just want you to, to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. I don't embarrass you. I don't do anything weird. Thank you. Put your hand down. Want you to know that God loves you and he, he, he wants so much to be close to you, closer than maybe you even imagine. Anyone else, you don't have a personal relationship or you're struggling with that relationship with him. I don't, I don't believe that. We want, we want to fix that today. For the rest of us, Dismissed and just ask you to.